after a number of things with COVID, with the season, unfortunately, the San Jose Barracuda season comes to an end. We will chat about game two against the Silver Knights, an inept power play, and uh, a former Barracuda haunting the Barracuda of right now. Right now, this is Teal Town After Dark presenting Barracuda After Dark. Ooh, Barracuda! Good afternoon, everyone. It is May 23rd, 2021. The San Jose Barracuda lose 4-2 to two to the Henderson Silver Knights. Welcome to Barracuda After Dark. This is your only live, interactive San Jose Barracuda post-game show. So if you want to be part of the show, here's how you do it. Chat with us and fellow hockey fans and Barracuda fans around the world on the page or the app. And of course, follow us on the social Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit, Discord, and of course, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel as you're watching us right now. And find everything at tealtownusa.com. With that, good afternoon, everyone. Sorry for the delay. Uh, everything is all okay right now. Uh, pleased to be joined by Kevin Lacey. Kevin, uh, wish could be talking, you know, a victory here, but unfortunately, the season comes to an end for the Barracuda. Yeah, it, it you know, obviously, it's disappointing that the Barracuda were unable to overcome uh, the the Henderson Silver Knights' offensive prowess, but. I felt like this game was a significantly more enjoyable game to watch over game one on from Friday night. Um, this was this was just a good hockey game. And I was listening to both broadcasts and uh, both both the Nick Nolenberger and Brian McCormick both said the same thing. Like it was it was a good hockey game. Um, There's a lot to digest from this one. We will try to remember as much as we possibly can. <laughs> the score being four to two doesn't sound like, I mean, you know, a, a decent hockey game. But I mean, there was a lot happening in those first two periods. So thanks for joining us. And uh, here we go. Yeah, here we go into uh, uh, a game two that the Barracuda absolutely needed. Uh, and uh, things were getting a little crazy early on. And. And we are here to talk about it as we begin uh, the second game, which technically the Barracuda were, was the home team um, in in some case. Uh, but things started going early, 40 seconds into it. And Kevin, you know, Jake McGrew with a nice shot, you know, getting from Jake Middleton and Robbie Russo to make it one nothing San Jose. I, I thought... All right, these guys came out strong. They're coming in with a with a lot of fight to it. Yeah, this this was a uh, you know the perfect start for the Barracuda. If you guys didn't catch our game one after dark, of course, please go back and and watch it because it was a pretty good show. We talked a, a lot about certain specific players. So, um, but one of the themes of that game was nothing happened it was a <laughs> henderson stifling defensive effort if i ever saw one i literally was able to name all four of the scoring chances that the barracuda had the entirety of the game they matched the number of scoring chances in the first like three minutes of this game and starting off with jake mcgrew 
getting that goal just 40 seconds in. Really nice pass, heads-up pass by Jake Middleton down all the way back uh, near the defensive left-side face-off circle. He went to retrieve the puck, already was looking for who to pass to before he even entered the corner. So real smart veteran play by Middleton. He saw McGrew already streaking and just spun around and gunned it about 150 feet down to McGrew. McGrew came in up that left side. I almost feel like maybe Jake McGrew should be playing the left wing instead of the right wing because most of his offense has come from the left side this season. Um, but a real nice short side shot by McGrew past Logan Thompson's right-handed glove. And and we're off to the races because it was chance after chance after chance, you know, just coming. It was, it was a big-time surge to start the game, and it was everything that San Jose needed. Yeah, and they were coming on strong in, in the, I think, Honestly, Henderson keeping it close at one nothing, you know, just was was just a kudos itself to you know it's like for the Barracuda to get things moving and then oh man, I mean, uh, Braden and, and you know, I want to say Braden Pachal, Pahal, Pahal, uh, with a with an absolute questionable hit there, uh, he gets a five minute major for. For interfering uh, with Ivan Chakovich, which I don't know, I have a feeling that there there's some uh, some plans into that. Uh, Topping, you know, kind of defends his teammate and gets roughing, so it you know it, it turns into a uh, into essentially a three minute major. Uh, but of but of course, you know, there was a. Slashing and roughing all over the place. You saw Reedy and Murphy going to the box, you know, and then after that, just 30 seconds later, you know, Gage Quinney uh, gets a shorthanded marker and and, uh, special teams would be pretty huge on this day, especially for Henderson. And it has been all season for the Barracuda. The Barracuda have uh, shown improvement on the penalty kill lately. Uh, but the penalty kill has been a, 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 an issue, not a big issue, but an issue over the last couple of years. The power play has certainly been an issue for the last several years, really since uh, Danny O'Regan left the team, which you'll be <laughs> hearing that name a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with Pahal hitting Ivan Chakovich, kind of a stupid hit. I mean... I think five minutes with no game misconduct was actually the the correct call on this because I don't really feel like this was a an intention an intent to injure situation uh, because Chakovich is spinning and turns his back into Pahal as part of the normal play. It wasn't like he was trying to duck out of the way or anything. Right. It was just part of the play. And Paul Pahal made the decision to go for the hit. Chakovich turned backwards into it. And got either he didn't. I, at first, I thought maybe he got an elbow to the head, but I think it was more uh, a shoulder to maybe the the top of his spine or something. But definitely uh, a situation that looked like a like a whiplash uh, situation for Chakovich, and he did not come back. Um, but with this power play that the Barracuda have had uh, struggling. Pretty mightily. I mean, in the Colorado game on Thursday or Thursday, whatever day that was, Wednesday, uh, we saw the Barracuda get a five minute major for another questionable hit. Certainly uh, uh, an illegal hit by Mika Salamaki, and they did absolutely nothing on that. 
Not only did the Barracuda do absolutely nothing once Topping came out of the box, but Gage Quinney comes up, and it's one on four, Eric. And this is <laughs> this is the problem I have here. So Robbie Russo is the active defenseman and the only defenseman, but the active defenseman defending that play one on one. You've got Max Latunov back checking like he usually does, but. Max Latunov defers and skates wide of the play because he sees Kyle Topping and Jaden Hobgawax skating back. Uh, even though Latunov was was first to to get back, uh, he assumed that his his line mates there were going to one of them was going to engage Quinney, <laughs> engage Quinney, not Gage Quinney, but. Yeah. Topping and Hobgo walks with the ultimate flyby, and that is just unacceptable. Whether it's, you know, whether it's the playoffs, whether it's AHL, whether it's beer league, that's unacceptable. It's a it's a very poor play by both Topping and Hobgo walks. So it becomes the one-on-one, and then Quinny, who is has been lighting up the AHL for a, a number of years now, beats Kojanash to the stick side and it's one to one in a in a period that the Barracuda really really did control. Like this this probably should have been two to three two or three to nothing in favor of the Barracuda after one if it wasn't for Logan Thompson uh, playing lights out for Henderson and that poor poor back check by Topping and Hobgawaks. Yeah, it doesn't help, uh, and it doesn't help that it's a shorthanded goal when you know the power play has been struggling. Uh, right. That's, it's just unacceptable. And a one-on-four, come on now, people. I mean, we might as well break out the Buffalo, the Sharks, Joe Thornton versus the Buffalo Sabres from a few years ago, you know. But right. That made it 1-1 after 20. I mean, like you said, they, out, they doubled up. The Silver Knights in shots, 12 to 6. I mean, it was all that you can get. But then the second period started to happen. And uh, this this one, I, I could feel the wheels coming off, you know, the wagon a little bit in my mind for the Barracuda. You know, you get that that early goal from Tomas Jerko, you know, to make it 2-1. And then Danny O'Regan, who's been... I mean, he he's been a heck of a player uh, for the for the Cuda against the Cuda uh, this yeah. season. I mean, he gets uh, his first goal to make it you know three one, and then you're start really starting to doubt yourself. And of course, like the Golden Knights, uh, you know, it was it's uh, <laughs> it, the the Silver Knights are going to get the. Uh, uh, the early goals in the in the first five minutes. I mean, yeah, Ryan Murphy takes a tripping penalty, uh, but that doesn't matter because it, the the Barracuda power play was lackluster. I mean, it didn't seem like there was any sense of urgency, and especially after you know that, it's like, come on, boys, let's let's go. I mean, you can yeah, let's and not with... get into that that old sharks thing where you know when you feel when you feel down and out. You're, you you show it you you're the the psychological game is out of it yeah and and this this story of this power play really is a major major theme of the game um and i i had mentioned uh, on twitter after the first period that 
one area of concern for me was just the overall back checking because after Henderson tied that game up, San Jose still controlled the play, but Henderson was allowed to get multiple odd man rushes in against the Barracuda there towards the end of the period. And that's been a problem with this team year after year. And it continued in the second, uh, whether it was power play or, or not, uh, you know, we mentioned Thomas Yurko, Yurcho's goal, um, which that's the one I'm blanking on right now. I know that Yurcho. Oh, okay. Let's 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 talk about we'll, we'll this guy. This so, yeah. <laughs> Ryan Ryan Merkley uh, jumps up into the play. You know, he's the offensive defenseman, and and uh, you either love him or you don't. Ryan Merkley jumps up. Um, I don't necessarily. This is going to sound harsh on Merkley. I didn't necessarily hate this play. Uh, but he did jump up and then did the all or nothing try to hold the puck at center. It failed. So then it goes two on one the other way. Merkley doesn't back check. Magna decides, well, okay, I better take the pass. And it allows Yurcho to just skate in and score. And I, yeah. it's not really Magna's fault on that. But Merkley has to have a better effort uh, on the back check. And how many times have we said that this season? And how many times did we say that uh, when he was in the OHL? Like, that's a problem. That's something that continually needs to be addressed. And hopefully, you know, again, Ryan Merkley's a young defenseman. He's only 20 years old. He might be 21. He'll definitely be 21 by the time the, the next season starts. But Hopefully the the coaches will sit down with him this offseason and say, look at all these defensive plays that you need to make better efforts on. And uh, that that gave Henderson the lead. And then to top top that, another power play for the Barracuda. And, you know, they're they're lacking firepower already with the players at World Championships. Ivan Shakovich being injured in the first period. So you're getting Brandon Coe and Kyle, Kyle Topping getting power play time. Brandon Coe loses the puck to Danny O'Regan. It's another two-on-one. How many? I mean, Robbie Russo, <laughs> I think I counted five two-on-ones against Robbie Russo alone in this game. So, I mean... Veteran leader, Calder Cup champion, you can only do so much. So <laughs> Danny O'Regan comes in, scores the second shorthanded goal for Henderson. And I mean, we're going to continue to talk about turnovers and on man rushes. And there's a problem, guys. <laughs> I mean, it's no bones about it. I mean, that that's the problem, Kevin. I, I mean, you're seeing these these things develop in in their game early on with the Barracuda before they even get call-ups. And granted, I mean, Jake Middleton's been called up. There's a number of guys that have been called up, but it's like, guys, you need to perfect your game and, and excel at this level. And, and having turnovers and two-on-ones uh, lead to shorthanded goals. I mean, guys, what are, what are we doing? Is your head in the game for that right. matter? I, it, I'm with... I, think, I think their head was in the game, but I think... This team has a tendency of getting a little, you know, they're either defensive minded or offensive minded and they don't have that complete effort all the time. And that's, you know, that's part of the AHL development uh, right there. But ooh, ooh, ooh. if you want to take a step forward, you got to have bring that complete effort. So and, and, and more than anything, that that's the point I'm getting at you know, yeah. is that, you know, the effort needs to be there. It needs to show up. 
but it, I mean, granted, while O'Regan scored to make it three one, Maxim Latunov, you know, gets one back on that power play from Helga Watson Middleton there. So, you know, Middleton, hey, have yourself a two point night. We'll give you give you some positive there. It- and and Jake Middleton had a good game, especially that first period when the Barracuda were really driving the play. Jake Middleton was uh, really stepping up, you know, being the veteran leader, the player who I, I thought had a good chance of being captain this season until the Bar- until the Barracuda signed Jacob Magna. thought Middleton really stepped up his game. He, he wore an A during the playoffs when not wearing a letter throughout the regular season here. Um, but he was all over the puck, and he was the one breaking the puck out of the the zone after he was uh, uh, putting in the good defensive efforts. So the, the two assists are not lost on me for Jake Middleton tonight or today. Um, but Jaden Hovgawaks, though, with a real nice uh, rush up the ice to start that play, because talking about Gage Quinney one-on-four earlier, Jaden Hovgawaks, one on three slips through all three Henderson penalty killers or three of the four anyway to get into the offensive zone. And then after point play, ended up getting the puck back. And then Max Latunov stuffed in Hobgawaks' rebound. So uh, that was a perfect answer to Danny O'Regan's shorthanded goal. <laughs> but, you know, after that, you, you'd hope you'd be able to see some momentum back. I don't know if uh, enough was gained on that from that power play goal. Yeah, I mean, uh, you had some hope there. Make it 3-2, and things looked promising. But then, you know, Scott Reedy takes a high-sticking call, and that sets up the power play for Henderson and Danny freaking O'Regan. <laughs> Does it again. I believe, if, uh, if I remember my numbers right, this is his eighth goal, uh, regular season and playoffs, against the Barracuda this season. Yeah, you are 100% correct. Eight goals, six in the regular season, two today. In addition, seven assists in in, in 10 total games this year against the, the Barracuda. And this is Danny O'Regan, who was second in the entire AHL in points. So it wasn't that he was just lighting up San Jose. Uh, but, I mean, they the, the Barracuda had no answer at all this entire year uh, against Danny O'Regan. And, uh, you know, he's my guy. Yeah. I love me some Danny O'Regan. Um, but uh, what, a, what a move, though, to score that yeah. goal. This, this was just pure effort. I mean, he, he gets the puck from Ryan Murphy uh, kind of at the top of the faceoff circle, moves around Max Latunov, fakes out Jacob Magna completely, and then snipes the corner past Kojanash. So a hell of a goal by Danny O'Regan here. All all effort on on his part, and well-deserved on that. Uh, that ended up finishing off the score the scoring, um, but there was just a lot of physicality in this game, particularly in the second period. It was getting pretty dicey. It felt like a playoff game. I know we're... T- Speaking a lot on the negatives of this game, but it truly was a good hockey game right. to watch, nevertheless. Yeah, no, uh, definitely back and forth. I mean, especially a lot early on uh, in the first period, but the second period, you know, uh, Henderson took it, took it to yeah. the, the CUDA. And, yeah. and, you know, and Coach Nash had some nice saves. Let's not just say yeah. that it was a bad night for for uh, Yosef Koshy Yeah, but, it really wasn't. It really wasn't. But, but then, like you said, you know, Kevin, 
you started taking you started seeing you know the chippiness coming you started to see some questionable calls or questionable hits and such yeah. you know Reed Duke you know the original Golden Knight and he was their very first you know player that they signed uh you know cross checks Merkley it looks like to the face from the one angle we saw uh and nothing happened and I almost wonder if Ryan Merkley de- deliberately tied up with Reed Duke because I can definitely think yeah. of one, if not two other circumstances in the regular season where Reed Duke was being tied up and his response was cross-check the defenseman in the face. Uh, and I know I talked a lot about Jake LeCision on In the Reef earlier in the year and his questionable high hits throwing punches and elbows all over the place. But Reed Duke was no saint during the regular season either. <laughs> and so, I, again, I don't know if Merkley kind of knew what, what to expect and knew what he was doing, but he ties up Duke and bam, right in the head. That uh, was pretty ridiculous. And even on the Henderson broadcast, Mike McKenna, former AHL and NHL journeyman goalie, Mike McKenna was like, well, uh, that was a stupid play. That'll get <laughs> you sent to the box. And uh, But again, Barracuda unable to capitalize. They did absolutely nothing on that two-minute power play. And so Ryan Merkley, whether he knew what he was trying to do or not, you know, he takes a cross-check to, cross check to the cheek for nothing, essentially. Yeah. So... You know, with the with the all the players missing from the forward depths right now, um, it really showed uh, offensively here. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, the, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say this is one of my gripes that I've had since 2006, when that Shark series against Edmonton, when they when the opponent knows that you are struggling on the power play and aren't getting anything. And at this rate, you've given up two shorthanded goals. You're going to take those liberties and you're going to keep doing it because, you know, you're in their head. They're not doing anything. And to me, I think, and in particularly, if you look at the score, at the uh, box score, you know, Reed Duke did that. He knew he could get into their heads. That's an excellent call, uh, was the fact that it it opened the game up, uh, especially the first 40 minutes, um, for, for Henderson to to take the extra liberties. And it's not like San Jose was, was playing a clean game either. Yeah. And in fact, I actually thought the officiating was very good in this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was probably one of the best officiated AHL games I saw this season outside of a, a blown icing and the Barracuda getting... Uh, the benefit of another uh, more extra time on the power play like the Colorado game where they kind of forgot to put someone in the box to serve a penalty. Uh, that ended up happening in the third period where where Henderson ended up being shorthanded for three minutes instead of two because Reed Duke uh, took a, a, another penalty and and there was no one else to serve the double minor for him. <laughs> uh, see, this is, uh, you're talking about the one in the third, right? Yeah. Yeah, this one's a head scratcher because I'm trying to figure this out. So he gets a two minute roughing call, and then he gets the head checking to the head call. Right. Which the guy, you know, and I, I hate use, using this term because how do you leave your feet? But, you know, the, the hockey cliche term left his feet. 
to make contact to the head. So first off, if that's the case, one, why isn't that a five? Because right. because he isn't sprawled out on the ice. And two, how is that only a two-minute power play? That was... I actually thought the hit was okay. Now, I did not notice whether Reed, Reed Duke jumped into his hit on Reedy. Um, but the being the puck, the, the puck was there. Um, it didn't really look too much to the head to me. Um, maybe, maybe with the benefit of additional replay, uh, maybe, maybe it was, I know Jacob Magna comes in, uh, fists a blazing and, and, and also gets a roughing penalty on that. Uh, but yeah, Reed Duke definitely deserved a penalty for at least roughing, which he got. And then the, the additional for a check to the head, I thought it was okay, but, uh, it was, yeah, that was, that was the, the officiating was great except on that, or the officiating was pretty good except on that. And, and I can definitely understand the argument of it being five minutes. I certainly thought the cross check to Merkley warranted five minutes. And in fact, yeah. I thought the Chris, the cross check to Merkley's head was more egregious than Pahal's hit on Chakovich than injured him in the first period. Um, but we didn't get a five minute power play at this point. Did the Barracuda want the five minute <laughs> power play? Cause they couldn't do a whole lot of anything on that. And, uh, I, I forgot to mention on that cross checking penalty, it, it, the Barracuda didn't get a full two minute power play because Jaden Hobgawaks, thanks to another two on one against Robbie Russo, mm -hmm. Jaden Hobgawaks did back check on this, but he back checks and grabs the the Silver Knights player and gets a holding penalty. Again, another situation where why do you need to take a holding penalty when you're on the power play? Right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was Barracuda kind of did themselves in a little bit uh, here. Yeah, and, tonight, and today that was. For the most part, it you know, Magna yeah. would come to defend defend uh, his teammate, which of course, you know, it kind of cancels out. I guess one of the power plays, so that's where you get only right. two. Uh, and then you know, Zachary Gallant uh, gets a hooking call later, which you kind of negates it when you when you ever you push pull uh, Koshinash, but. Uh, yeah, and, and Roy Sommer has shown um, throughout this season that he's willing to go three, four minutes left in the period and pull his goalie for the extra man, and he really couldn't because Henderson just held on to the puck on that on that power play while Gallant was sitting out, and they couldn't get Kojanash out of the box. Um, I thought Henderson, though, in that third period really clamped down defensively, much like on Friday's game, how they really controlled it from the defensive standpoint. Right. Uh, the flow of the game really picked up in the third. Uh, outside of the Duke, Reedy, Magna incident, the the whistles kind of got put away unless it was overly egregious like that situation. Um, so the, the, the game was flowing fast at the detriment of the Barracuda, who needed two goals to tie the game. And then with Gallant's penalty... Uh, it wasn't all she wrote because the Barracuda did get a couple of chances on Logan Thompson once they did finally get Kojanash out of the box, but um, it was too little too late at that point. Yeah. Uh, and that's 
that was the seat that became the end of the season. Yeah. No, and, and, it, and it's tough. And again, talking about the psyche of it all, it's like you're you're down and out. You're seeing three guys take take some liberties, and and one gets a five, another one gets a two, and another one gets well, technically four, but only gets two out of it, and you don't capitalize it, you know. And and the power plays, you know. I mean, gl- glad Latunov saved them because I mean you're only a minus one on the on the power play uh on that night and that's that's even unacceptable but uh right yeah. and and let's let's go back to something that i said on friday night yeah. which was where was the top six latunov's line and reedy's line right well in this game they were all over it maybe not so much defensively but but offensively i thought both both those lines did show up uh, but that bottom, the bottom six was was not there tonight. And in fact, uh, I after Chakovich being hurt, saw very little out of Kristoff Hrabik. That's a, still a tongue twister for me. <laughs> um, but he 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 slid in on the third line there for a bit, but um, they really the uh, he he didn't get much ice time. I think he maybe had one shift in the third period. Uh, Zach Gallant didn't get a whole lot of ice time and took the penalty on top of that. And I think Nicholas Malosh got injured in the third period because he did not play the final 12 minutes of the third period. And again, it, it was kind of circumstantial. The Barracuda needed a goal. Yeah. And outside of the goal that Malosh had on Wednesday, uh, hadn't scored in two years, but, um, Brinson Pashnuk was playing a lot with Merkley and a lot with Russo instead of Malosh. And with the the penalty kill, that seemed like the perfect time for Malosh to be in there. And he wasn't out there again. He was on the bench. I did notice he was on the bench there uh, at the end of the game. But that also that also hurt, I think, with the attempt to come back when you're down a forward and a defenseman the last 12 minutes of the game. Yeah. Uh, to lose that, you shorten up your bench and lose two key players where you have a bunch of them, a bunch of key players not even in the lineup. Uh, right. That's going to hurt. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just two, they just didn't have the depth. And again, it was a good game. It was a fun yeah. hockey game. And this team did well this season. O- overall, I think this team uh, did, did considerably better than last season. And I think there's a lot to take from from the season for from a learning stance i talked about that with brandon co in the last game and he'll he'll continue to get better uh especially uh going back to juniors next season uh we think um so there there's there's a lot to to take from this i thought scott reedy looked a little tired here the last couple of games i do think co looked tired today there were some players who just seemed a little worn down because um, he- uh, Henderson, you know, not surprising, plays a lot of the same style as Hen- as Vegas do. They bring a lot of speed and they forecheck like mad. And the Barracuda currently, at least this roster right now, don't definitely don't have the speed to, to do it. So uh, that's why this series is over after two games in the best of three. Yeah. Um, but the Barracuda finished in fourth place in the Pacific Division. All right. I mean, that's that's the gist of it for the Barracuda. One, when they lose four to two, 
comes to an end and uh you know a, a good run especially having to play two play in games to get into this uh playoff which <laughs> which you know a lot of players didn't weren't weren't down to do but uh, uh fun nonetheless to definitely have some uh some San Jose hockey playoff wise yeah. uh for for a little over a week but uh now and and officially the Barracuda have still never missed the playoffs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> officially, because the playoffs didn't happen last Don't, year. <laughs> you are absolutely right. I, so, I say that's that still goes on. I'm not sure. Yeah, they... so, the, so what if they finished the regular season 30th overall last year? There were no playoffs held, and thus they have now made the playoffs in all six playoff seasons i guess post seasons (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's get to some of the comments in the chat really quick and then we'll continue on and and this one's the one that i think everybody's kind of asking because we we need hockey and we would love to see hockey and and not gonna lie you know when it's 95 degrees outside in san jose it'd be nice to go into a cold place and and uh watch some hockey and so Kathy asking quick question, will there be a prospect scrimmage this summer? Any word? I haven't heard of anything yet. Uh, I know that you posed that that exact question um, on our last show right. and and I thought it was an excellent question. I would venture to guess there will be a prospect scrimmage here or a prospects camp here uh, now that things are kind of opening up and you know, there's no playoff bubbles in the NHL or in the AHL, so it seems like uh, the leagues and the teams are feeling safe enough to hold regular activities again. Whether or not fans are allowed to attend, that's a question, and I could see a situation where they only allow Sharks 365 members to attend, and in limited numbers as well. Yeah. Um, I, especially with it being a scrimmage and, or, you know, a couple of scrimmages and not an actual game and there, the, the sharks organization probably would not be making any money from the situation. I don't think they're willing to put the risk of, of, you know, having someone who's not vaccinated, uh, arrive or, be in attendance, not to mention the fact that w- I, I don't know how your experience was, Eric, and I'm curious to hear about it um, because you did attend a couple of the home games at SAP Center. But I imagine that protocols were pretty strict. Um, I did not attend, so I don't know how it is. But uh, I imagine that just being at the practice facility um, or that it's a, a, a scrimmage I don't know if they'd want to put in the effort to have all of the, you know, the protocols in place for for some a such for a, an event like this. But yeah. what how how was your experience, Eric? Well, I, I would think you know first off, you talk about the protocols at at the practice rink. I mean, b- before everything went down, I mean, you, we had to go through a metal detector and and everything just to get into practice for the sharks. So I I don't know if they're going to have like a practices available, but. As, as for the protocols, and, and it's kind of cool now that to know about two different ways that that it went down. I mean, Vegas, I thought was pretty was pretty solid, and um, 
almost overly organized and really restricted your access to wherever you could go. Uh, and of course, they have multi-levels at T-Mobile Arena, so they can do that. As for the Sharks, I thought they did a really good job, uh, you know, and having everything readily available. If you wanted to take a test right then and there, you could for 50 bucks. Uh, but having everything set to go, I think, was really good. You had the mask, and you had to, if you're in, if you're in the bowl, you know, you had to keep your mask on. And there was only like a designated section, I think, like section 107, 109 for you to to pick things up. So mm-hmm. I I could see them doing something similar to that. I, and you're right, I think it might be something like 365 holders. I, I, I mean, I can't see them going too big. Uh, I would think a Barracuda size, you know, capacity in that sense, which it, which it's usually been. It's usually just been the lower bowl for the, for the most part. Right. Um, but the, the, the other question too is timing. Um, because we are getting out of COVID. I mean, the first things first, California is, is set to go back and reopen June 15th. Uh, but the draft is July 23rd and 24th. Um, you, you know, that's kind of get into, that's basically saying that in August, you're going to have a prospect scrimmage. And by mid-September, you're going to have training camp. That's a good point. And and it, it's also possible that they may end up doing what they used to do because J- July camps are a, kind of a new thing, mm-hmm. not a new, new thing. But uh, the the July prospects camps around the league have really only been going on the last, I would say, four, three to five years, right. I would say. Um, but before that, it was usually the prospects camp would be held the week before the official training camp would be or even right. uh, a few days before the official training camp began. So I could see a situation where they just combine it all into one thing, maybe bring in the prospects early. Yeah. Um, but, you know, time will tell. We haven't heard anything uh, from the Sharks about this. We got very little info about the AHL's Pacific Division playoffs to begin with. So it was very tight-lipped. We did not even know if overtime was going to be five-on-five or four-on-four in a shootout going into those play-in games. And I even asked um, a couple people I know, including Patrick Williams, who is the person to follow Mm -hmm. regarding AHL hockey. He didn't even know. (laughs) So we literally found out when Colorado and Ontario went to overtime and then it was, oh, okay. okay. Oh, it's 501 in. Okay, we're good. Yeah. So um, I imagine it's going to be tight-lipped here for a little bit, but I think we'll hear about something probably after the draft, maybe, yeah. maybe – or maybe right before the draft, because recently the prospect scrimmages have been the week after the draft, mm-hmm. the weekend after the draft. So um, might not be for another eh, six weeks before we hear anything right. at the earliest. Right. I mean, you're you're probably looking at, at like right after the Sharks select their pick, you know, or something <laughs> like that. I mean, I, 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 it depends I, on how good the pick is. How good the pick is will determine whether we want to have a prospect <laughs> scrimmage or not. <laughs> no, but but you're right. They could bring everybody in early in September, like, you know, the first couple weeks of September. And usually they have a rookie showcase tournament that they go to 
I mean, again, it depends on how everybody is doing with COVID and everything. So fingers crossed on that. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm itching for, uh, for going to a hockey game in shorts and flip flops. Absolutely. So, (laughs) and, and what would be good from a, from a development standpoint is if they are able to do that, you would hope that Ozzy Weisblatt and Tristan Robbins would be able to, uh, be involved in that because they were unable to play in these, any of these AHL play in or playoff games because they're both hurt. Um, so uh, they definitely were needed, uh, against the Henderson's lineup, but, uh, hopefully they will be healthy again. It still sounds to me like Robbins is a little banged up. Like it's, I think, I think they'll both definitely be ready by training camp, official training camp. Um, but I think Weisblatt's closer than Robbins is for returning to any on ice activities based on. Uh, what I understand, and now with Ivan Shikovich being injured today, we don't know um, his situation here. But they do at least have the offseason now to to rest up, and mm-hmm. and uh, they got some great experience, and hopefully learn from. Hopefully, guys like I think Brandon Co will. Hopefully, uh, Ryan Merkley will learn some things about please. about his performances. Please, and, please, uh, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and and the other thing, actually, the other point I should bring up uh, regarding that that question is, if they're able to do a prospect scrimmage at the 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 very end of July or early August, that's where you could see college players like Thomas Bordalo get an opportunity right. to show himself off because typically, you know, if you're getting into September, these guys are in school at that point. So, so here, here's a question I have for you then. And, and Jerk, I see your comment. You're funny. And, and trust me, I, I would. Um, I'll, I'll bring that up in a second. But here's a question. So <laughs> let's see. You have a prospect scrimmage in, in early August. Bordalo just goes nuts. And, you know, can they sign him? Or, or is he already committed to Michigan? Uh, that's I that's believe, a question I, I was curious by. I believe there is a cutoff date that you're allowed to sign. I I, I don't know. It might be one of those unofficial things. Um, you would certainly piss off the college program if you were to sign one of their players away at the end of August. That's true. There's no doubt there. But I think there is actually a... a <sighs> Maybe there's an official thing with NCAA or maybe it's un, un, unwritten. But I believe that the college players do have to uh, show their commitment to their team by a certain date, which is why you're starting to see these these camps being held in July, because they're able to bring in their college players um, earlier without having to worry about them heading heading back. Um, so I'm going to answer your question with Yes, <laughs> I, I, I like how so. you, I like how you put that, and we're get, getting some comments there. Yeah, uh, you know, Ian saying the you know if he recalls correctly, the windows completely come and gone. So, um, you know, uh, just just something in mind. I just was thinking. I know he had a oh, nice, good. nice year with Michigan. I know the plan was for him to go back for another year to see, uh, but I just curious is you know if that's how how things would work and something to look forward to down the road sure so um so let's let's get to uh some of these comments here you know 
Uh, Matt saying with Co getting a top six role in the last part of the season, do you really see him going back to juniors? Uh, and what about, you know, Ozzy? I know there's a lot of people uh, talking about Ozzy uh, Weisblatt uh, and seeing how he's going to, you know, flourish this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, because of their age, um, they both must play in either the NHL or juniors. They are not eligible to play in the AHL, uh, given the current uh, agreement between those leagues. So I, I know there has been chatter about changing that, but I, if they do eventually uh, allow underage, well, what are currently considered underage players to play in the AHL, um, it's going to be a special circumstance like what it was this season. Um, and, and if they do make any changes, it certainly won't be until at least another year out. I cannot fathom them just bringing it to the forefront immediately. So Co and Weisblatt and Robbins will all play in uh, Canadian juniors next year, uh, unless they're, for whatever reason, assigned to a European club. Um and it's not out of the question, but um, I don't know if you can say any of those players um, are, are dominating at their junior clubs to a point where uh, they don't have something that they can't or there isn't something they can can't learn um, about their development at that level. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, until they turn 20, um, they're allowed to play uh, playoff games like this. Um, on amateur tryouts, so they don't, they're technically not, uh, uh, contracted to the NHL club for now, or even the AHL club for now, but they must have already concluded the end of their junior season before, um, they can play in normal times. Right. So, all right. Bortolo would be allowed to play in the AHL because he's not. Uh, a Canadian Hockey League player. Sorry, that's uh, Marty's question yep. for those of you listening on the, uh, you know, the audio only. Apologize, I should have mentioned Mar Marty had that question, and Thomas Bordalo would be allowed to play the AHL. I need to double check his age, um, but that's because he's not on uh, contracted or or what, however you want to say he's not rights owned. I should say gotcha. to a Canadian hockey team gotcha. league team. So. And Matt finding it for us. So the signing window was extended to April 12th, but next year goes back to April 8th. So, yeah. Mm. So interesting. Good to know. Good to know on that. Yeah. Good info, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate that. So the Barracuda season is done. Uh, and then the other Pacific Division semifinals gets underway in about, well, 15 minutes if you're watching us live. Uh, the Condors and the Goals, uh, with the Goals trying to do exactly what the Silver Knights just did in sweep. Uh, but, of course, next season will be the last... Well, I mean, it's scheduled to, uh, to be the last year that the Cooter are calling the Shark Tank home. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you've been by Shark's Ice lately, but uh, ha have you noticed any of the uh, the the built, uh, getting built up? Because I, I went I... last week and... Looks it it's starting to really take shape now. Nice, nice. Yeah, I've seen some photos online. I haven't looked too much into it um, yet. Um, I definitely have not been by there because that's I don't really have much purpose to be over there unless it's specifically for hockey. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, with with SAP Center 
being their home for one more season. Hopefully the, the fans will turn out so that um, by the time we move this club into their own facility there at Solar for America Ice in 2022, we'll be able to sell out that, that building. Uh, it's going to be, I believe, last attendance or last capacity that I saw was 3,412 for the new building. And I hope that most, if not all, games are are sold out. So again, if you're you're watching or listening to our AHL podcast, we know you're a <laughs> devoted fan and and thanks for participating in this. And we hope that you come out and and bring some friends, spread the word. That's that's the bottom line is spread the word and say, hey, come on out, uh, check out this uh, this minor league hockey team that uh, is a lot of fun to watch. And uh, in the case of this year, played a lot longer than the parent club. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes, indeed, right? Uh, yeah, they, they they showed their strength in, in this one, uh, but uh, unfortunately it was not to be indeed. Uh, let me get one quick. I took this about a couple of weeks ago, so for forgive me for oh, okay. this. A photo of the new yeah, ice cream? Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can cool. pull it up really quick before we get out of here. But uh, Ian had a funny comment in the chat while you, while you pulled that up. Ian was saying, who will I blame the ice? blame for uh with the ice well you know the sharks and the barracuda have kind of adjusted schedules over the last uh, year or so about trying not to do double days or letting the sharks play before the barracuda to avoid any ice uh issues but but um i I, did you guys see that carolina installed like a five hundred thousand ton uh, freezing machine or refrigerator or something to to keep their building cool to allow more fans to attend. Uh, I'm curious to hear if that has better results than what we uh, saw with San Jose this year, even without without fans. If that's um, because that... it does sound like there's still ice condition issues at at SAP Center. Yeah. Uh, th- oh, that's... and blame Bon Jovi always. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Nice jerk. That's a nice. That's a hashtag nice. Hashtag blame Bon Jovi. And if you don't understand hashtag blame Bon Jovi, uh, go back and and make sure if you haven't already subscribed to Teal Town USA and go back and watch some of the previous in the reef Barracuda in the reef episodes that we've done because we we do discuss uh, a longstanding grievance that we have with. Yes, John Bon Jovi and his band. So, <laughs> so this was taken almost two weeks ago. Uh, the progress was already being built uh, for, for the new Barracuda Arena at Solar for America Ice. I mean, it's it's starting to really take shape now. Uh, but man, I I can't wait for it. I I look forward to uh, to seeing that uh, in full down the road. So, I look forward to announcing games there uh, in in the long run, but. <laughs> life goals you know i'm just saying i'm just saying i would love that i'm just saying so <laughs> all right so i guess that brings up to the end unless kevin i'm, I'm holding you back with anything so ah, no we'll have another we'll have another episode of in the reef here we'll try and get nick back on the show here soon we'll try and work out any audio issues that we have that have prevented <laughs> the last uh, couple from from airing and 
And I'm already through my COVID-19 vaccination, so don't have to worry about canceling a scheduled recording for that either. <laughs> so we should have uh, In the Reef back up for kind of a season finale with myself and Nick Nolenberger and all of you who want, want to uh, chat and, and everything. So send in your questions uh, on Twitter and also on our Discord channel as well. I, I love seeing the 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 comments and the questions that you send directly through the kuda chat channel yes. on teal town usa's discord so um i i don't know if this has been officially uh announced and, and ian's kind of teasing it right now uh yeah. thursday 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 care, care to uh care to uh share the news my friend well you know uh besides besides my my goal is to be the public address announcer and also to have an In the Reef episode coming up soon. There's a podcast that we used to have on Teal Town USA once upon a time. It was called Technology Writer's Room. It was an awesome show. We talked about all kinds of league uh, interactions and, and happenings. And trust me, they, with the NHL playoffs going on, there's there's a lot to talk about. That yeah. show morphed into another show called Teal Tinted Glasses. And folks, Teal Tinted Glasses will be back. It's looking like it's going to be on Thursday. You can find it directly here on the Teal Town USA YouTube channel and and the uh, podcasting platform of your choice. So, uh, you know, if you again, I've already mentioned the subscription, but set those little alerts for the next time, um, you know, you want to catch a show, you'll be alerted right away. That Teal Tinted Glasses will be back. It'll be myself, Ian Reed, Hockey Jerk. We're still trying to pull Drew Weber out of the doldrums, and hopefully he'll uh, he'll be back on. I think we need to bribe him with some Carolina Hurricanes talk. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun show. So we encourage you to check it out because it's kind of it's kind of a freelance hockey discussion. It's we do try and tie in the sharks as much as we can right. to it so you know since this is teal town usa but it's kind of like our freelance forum to just talk all things hockey and find out the latest about vladimir sabotka <laughs> so please yes. you know i look forward to that specifically uh <laughs> and yes of course and someone needs to hug drew as the hurricanes lost again in double overtime evening that series at 2-2 uh, and we saw earlier in the chat the Avs finished off the Blues, and apparently Leon Drysaddle has scored for Edmonton, so they finally figured out, hey, maybe we should play in this play in these playoffs. Uh, one nothing Edmonton there. Uh, so, and, and then I think Boston Washington, you know, that series could end tonight as well. So that's kind of your quick little wrap around there. But uh, Kevin, as always, thank you very much. Uh, for doing this kind of we kind of were talking about well do we want to do a barracuda after dark it'd be kind of fun just to uh to do do this here and there so ah yeah it's definitely and the and the turnout the turnout uh, in the chat has been great here the last few games that we've been able to do that so we, we're glad that you enjoy these shows and and like to you know converse with us and we like we like seeing that so um, thank you again for all your support throughout the season, throughout the entirety of uh, Tilltown USA and Pucknology, and I'm happy to be here. Um, so thanks. Yeah, definitely appreciate each and And thank you, Eric, also for hosting, because <laughs> since I have issues hosting these shows on my own, 
it's always great to have someone to interact with as well as take care of all the technical the technical issues. Uh, you guys all like to harass Eric about his AOL issues, but uh, uh, all- trust me. You, we'd be compu serving this uh, this thing if I was was running it. So oh thank you, Eric, for for running the platform to make this happen. I really appreciate that. Uh, likewise, Kevin. It's been fun. You know, I always like to make sure we know more about everything going on in the minor league system, the development uh, of the guys, especially right now in a reset. I, I think it's important to know what the Sharks have right now, what they're going to be looking for. Uh, down the road and and honestly it's it's an important piece that they need to have so we're glad to bring it to you but uh in case you missed anything or you want to watch this again check us out on tealtownusa.com or your favorite podcatcher you know all those listed there and and more so uh check us out there but most importantly hit that subscribe button on our youtube channel it really goes a long way to helping us out uh build up the show a little bit more Indeed. So with that, Kevin, thank you as always. Appreciate it. Your final thoughts and we'll wrap this puppy up. My final thoughts are in the season preview. I predicted that the Barracuda might be fourth or fifth, and they ended up finishing fourth in the division this season. You know, it was a little inconsistent this year. They had some moments of uh, absolute brilliance and certainly dominated Ontario throughout the season series. But <laughs> Came up short time after time against Henderson and Bakersfield. Uh, But just overall, I think this has been a good season for the Barracuda and uh, for the Sharks just overall organization development. Um, So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. There will be some changes. As I already predicted on the last show, the Barracuda will find a way to bring on 40 players on their (laughs) roster next year. Um, so stay tuned to find out which players we add and move and everything like that. And uh, so I'm at Kevin Lacey 22 on most social media platforms. And you can find me on Teal, Te- Teal Tinted Glasses here uh, this upcoming week. Great to hear. I'm at PuckGuy14 on the Twitter and the Instagram. Uh, my final thoughts is that Kevin Lacey might be number 41. He's working his way up the route, oh. so that might be the case. I can I could be the 14th defenseman. I mean, I got a new <laughs> I got a new helmet here, so okay. like I'm ready to play here, guys. So, <laughs> oh jeez. All right, so that'll do it for us for Barracuda After Dark. Thank you for joining us. Of course, Thursday night teal tinted glasses makes its return. Looking forward to that. And then, of course, the next thing after that, uh, maybe another episode gets in before we're we're doing the live the live reaction of the NHL draft lottery uh, on June second. So that'll be fun. Oh man, come on, Sharks! If you can win a lottery, that'd be great. Uh, if you want the conversation, we'll now continue on the Discord channel. Jerk will be waiting for you. Uh, so in that case, thanks for watching. Keep it real. Keep it teal. Keep it real teal. Have a great night, everyone. We will see you on Thursday night for Teal Tinted Glasses. Take care, everyone. See you later. <laughs>